And guess what? In two Sundays time, your memory scripture will be Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 7. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 7. Okay. But today, we will look at Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. And why am I asking us to look at this? Paul, Paul will read the scriptures in a moment. But T.S. Eliot inspired me by a quote of his. He said, to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. And when Paul gives his farewell speech to the elders in Ephesus, you think that was his end. And it's inspiring. But we, as we're inspired by his word, ask ourselves, at the end, if we were to make such a speech, could we even make such a speech? But if we were to make such a speech, we need to start now to live that life. We need to start now to live that life. So in Ephesians, Acts 20, let's read from verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. Amen. And complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which you bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now, I commit you, I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, 
which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they will never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Amen. Wow. That is Paul's farewell speech to the elders in Ephesus. He goes to Miletus and asks them to meet him. Why couldn't he go back to Ephesus? Because there have been routes when he was there. An English bishop said, wherever I go, they serve sausages. Wherever Paul goes, there is routes. Okay? Paul's message was intense. And if you read Book of Acts, you see what happens. The Artemis temple and all that, when he preached, there was routes. So he called the elders to come and meet him. But he said, they all wept. And they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they will never see his face again. So it was his last words to them. In verse 25, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Paul says, these are my last words to you, uh, elders of Ephesus. Just as he says to Timothy, and the time of my departure is near. His last moments, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. But we need to, a disclaimer here, none of us are elders, and none of us are apostles, amen? But there is principle in here that we all need to learn. And this is Paul's end. But let's envision our end. Would we be able to say what Paul just said? Not only that, as we are inspired by him, let's live a life now that at the end we'll be able to say something like that. So I want us to look at exactly what Paul says to these people. The first one he said, you know how I lived. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the very first day I came into the province of Asia. Paul said, you know my life. Wow. We have become so independent that we don't want anybody to know our lives anymore. Are you known by all the people in this room, your brothers and sisters? Or you are in a little clique? Paul said to the elders, you knew how I lived. From the very first day I came, you knew how I lived. And indeed, when you read Paul's letters, you get to know the man's life. I was born in Tarsus. I was circumcised. I mean, imagine a guy going to other guys and saying, oh, by the way, I'm circumcised. They would think, are you out of your mind? I mean, Paul was so vulnerable with his life. 
our circumcised on the eighth day. I'm an Israelite. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a zealot. I killed the Christians. I'm a murderer. I'm a persecutor of the church. Paul never held back his life with the church. I mean, as an apostle, I read Romans 7. I'm thinking, wow, here is an apostle of Jesus Christ describing his battle with sin. For I have the desire to do what is right, he said. But I cannot carry it out. That's interesting from an apostle. People say, oh, Paul was talking about his past life. No. He was talking about his current life as an apostle. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. How open could we be with our lives and share the struggles? He goes to the church in Corinth and he said, I have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. I open my heart to you. I'm not withholding my affection from as a fair exchange. Open your wide, wide your heart to me as well. Wow. Paul was so open with his life. The church in Thessalonica is a leak. I love you so much. I just, it wasn't just now sharing the gospel with you. I shared my life with you as well. So he says to them, you know how I live my life. There was openness in relationship. There was bond in relationship. Amen. Would we be able to say that in five years time, in 10 years time when we're departing to be able to say we have such bond in relationship. And I tell you, the Christian life is all about relationships. It is so important that we get to know each other. Our past, our present, and even our future dreams. He goes on. He said, I served the Lord. I served. Paul said, I was a servant. I served. I like when I read the book of Romans, I was well, I know there's a family group studying Romans. Oh, the Grubber family group were with them last night. In Romans 1, Paul describes himself. He said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. If anybody asks me, Roger, who are you? What do you do? The first name say, oh, I'm Roger Frimpong. I'm married. I have children. The, the thought won't come to me to say I'm a servant. But Paul, in his introduction, the first thing he says is, I'm a servant. He said, I serve the Lord. You, my brothers and sisters, do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature, but do what? Serve one another in humility. Wow. Paul said, I said, and as Christians, we need to know we are not here to be masters, but to be servants. At all times, we need to be willing to serve. In whatever situation we find ourselves, you are an employee. Be the one making the coffees for your colleagues at work. You are a husband, serve. You are a wife, serve. You are a child, serve. You understand what I'm saying? We need to serve each other. Said I serve the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's what we are called to do. Not only was he serving, he said, I served with great humility, with tears, 
and in the midst of severe testing. Some people serve to boast. Look at what I'm doing. No, with humility. With humility. The kingdom needs men and women of humility. That is our biggest challenge. When our ego gets in, we lose it completely. We need to be humble men and women. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It is so important that we have humility. And therefore in Ephesians 4, the scriptures we are going to memorize. He said, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, be completely humble. Wow. He qualifies humility. He said what? Completely humble. Don't be 99% humble. (coughs) Be completely humble. That is what we are called to do. And guess what? It's not easy. Do nothing else of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Be completely humble. That's what Paul, Paul at the end of his life said to them. You cannot dispute the fact that I was humble amongst you. In my service. Wow, would we be able to say that? It's, people look at you and say, wow, what a humble brother. What a humble sister. Is that what you are going to say? Now, the danger of not being humble is you are going straight on collision with God. And guess what will win? You see, God opposes the proud. If there is pride in your life, if there is no humility, you've lost it. God opposes the proud. I mean, the creator of the universe opposes you are in big trouble. <laughs> God opposes the proud. Paul goes on to say, you know that I have, n- I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Wow. And he's not just talking about people in the church, because of course he studied the Bible with them to become Christians. And he continues to say, it didn't end. And as Christians, there should be no hesitation in us to preach God's word. Seriously. So when Paul says in in Corinthians, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, I think sometimes we read that and think, Oh, God is cursed me if I don't preach the gospel. No, Paul understood the grace of God so much that for him not to preach, he said, woe to me if I don't do this. He understood the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because what? It is the power of God for the salvation of many. He understood the grace so much that he wouldn't hesitate to preach the word. And as Christians, the challenge I want to give us we like sharing our opinion too much. Yeah, come on. Guys, when we get together, let's open the scriptures. <laughs> let's open the scriptures. Okay. Let's not share our opinion too much. Let the scriptures speak in our relationships. So before you rebuke, he said what? Correct, rebuke, and encourage. With great patience and what? Careful instruction. It's not your opinion. It's going to be God's word. Which meant you've thought about the scriptures. you prayed about it. You've thought about somebody's life. Then you share with them. Amen. It's important. 
we do not hesitate to preach anything that will be helpful to us. And if you have a brother and sister, please share the word with them. It's funny when I get with brothers, I say, oh, what are you reading in the Bible? How is it going? And I thought, wow, not a lot of us are in the Bible. Sunday sermons won't do it, okay? Midweek sermons won't do it. God has given it to you. We need to read the Bible. We need to read the Bible. This is how we are going to, for ourselves as well as for each other, we need to be able to be men and women in the Bible. said, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. God's grace is so powerful. Christians who do not understand grace will not last the course. If you don't understand the grace of God, then you are powering on your own strength. And Paul says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Amen. Ephesian elders, what we see you through this battle. And he knew the battle in Ephesus. He used to say the beast in Ephesus. Okay, the lion in Ephesus. Only the grace of God will see us through. And if you read Paul's letters, 11 times or more, he keeps talking about the grace. He keeps talking about the grace. For it is by grace you've been saved. Philippians, all of you share in God's grace. Titus, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Paul, constantly from Romans throughout his letters, will encourage the Christians about God's grace. And it's important that we get it. And it's not easy concept, by the way. Grace doesn't make sense to you and I. Is the most unfairest thing. Okay? So Martin steals a phone. Steals Tim's phone. Martin is caught. Who should go to jail? Martin should go to jail. Then we say, look at him and say, oh, no, 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 you keep the phone. Tim, you are going to jail. How would you feel about that? But that is the grace of God. That is the concept of grace. We all sinned, and we are meant to die, and the one who didn't sin, the perfect one, is the one we sent to die. And if you understand that, the extent to which God will go for you and I, then that love will compel you to do all you can. Satan cannot deceive you because Satan can never love you the way God has loved you. He goes on to say, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. Wow. We need to finish that race. We need to complete the task. Our life is short. I don't know about your life. It could end tomorrow. 
It could be the next 50 years, 100 years, I don't know. But we are in this race forever. We are not going to give up. Amen. Set your boundary. Tell Satan, I'm not quitting this race. Don't even give him a chance. If you give Satan a chance, he will deceive you. Okay. I have set my boundary. I'll die a disciple of Jesus. It's simple as that. Just as in marriage, you need to set your boundary. There will be no divorce. It's not a word. You understand what I'm saying? If you set your boundaries, Satan cannot deceive you. But we are going to finish that race. We shall finish that race because God has already conquered Satan. And Satan's time is short. And he's furious. And he wants to stop you from the end of that race. But we need to set that boundary. We are going to finish that race. I love it when we said, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. And the Christian life is a good fight. Amen. Amen. It is a fight, but it's a good one. (laughs) I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a righteous crown which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a thing. (laughs) Those scriptures inspire me. We are going to the end. We are not finishing. And I don't know where the end will be. But no matter what, we will be there. And we'll be received in this glorious kingdom. Amen. Amen. And this body of sin, this body of sin will be no more. We'll be given a new body. I don't know what my resurrection body will be. I may not be too short at that point. (laughs) Or I may be short. I don't know. (laughs) But it will be glorious. It will be glorious. It will be glorious. He goes on. Keep watch over yourselves. And all the flock. He said, I know after I leave, savage wolves will come amongst you and will not spare the flock. Amen. Even from your own number, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth. Guys, we're in a battle. We, we, we fool ourselves when we think Christendom is all about the truth. No, it is not all about the truth. Satan has come in and is distorting the truth. And even amongst us, we may have notions that may distort the truth and we need to be very careful. You may respect men who distort the truth and you will lose your salvation. And when you get there, you are not going to say, because Roger said this on Sunday. (laughs) No. No. The, the word will judge you. So, we need to keep watch over our own selves. Amen. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you save both yourself and your hearers. I have a duty to watch my life and my doctrine for my own salvation. 
but also for the salvation of those around me. I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, Paul says to the church in Rome, watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way. Some will cause division amongst us and put obstacles. We are humans. But we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Keep watch over yourselves. We need to be careful. He goes on to say, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You see, it is not Paul's church. Amen. It is not Peter's church. It's not Apollos' church. It is God's church. Amen. It's not Tim Francis's church. Amen. It's not Derek Edmondson's church. Amen. It is God's church. That's right. And sometimes we tend to follow men and women. They may be charismatic and handsome and all that, but believe me, this is shed that God bought with his own blood. Sometimes we look at leaders and put them up there. Goodness gracious. We should be servants of the Lord. Don't put men or women up there. Only God. Only God. Amen. And this is God's church. And people sometimes disrespect God's body. Paul held a high view of the church. Now, who is in the church? They were sinners, murderers, adulterers. Those composed the church. And Paul says, wow. The church of God, these are the, those sanctified. These are the holy people. These are the saints. That's how Paul viewed the church. And so we all sit here very insignificant compared to God, but this is God's church. You are special in God's sight. He died for you. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. That's why we are here. Amen. Not because we are any special. Not because we are any special. But God valued his church. So God's church is of priceless value to him. And woe to those who do not care for that body. Who treat it as if it's useless. Be careful. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And Satan will not be able to bring it down. But we need to be the church. Amen. We need to be the church. God's church is valuable. Is the pillar and foundation of the truth. He said the manifold wisdom of God is amongst you. Sometimes I read it and it blows my mind. Really? God's wisdom is with me and Martin Mbote. I mean, but that's what God said. He goes on to say, help the weak. In everything I did, I showed that by this hard work we must help the weak. Amen. I'm glad we're able to even donate something today to help the victims of the Dorian hurricane. But we need to help the weak. And it's not just financial. Some people are physically weak. 
Some people are emotionally challenged, spiritually challenged. We all have our challenges. I was with Jason Carter yesterday, and I said, Jason has got his challenges. I've got my challenges. I said, Jason, I, I don't like heights. <laughs> Whatever your challenges, I also have my challenges. Okay? I don't like flying. As soon as I get into air opening, guess what my thinking? We are going to crash. See, I don't know where the thought comes from. <laughs> but as soon as I enter an airplane, it takes off. And as soon as it's in there, I look down at him. God, I confess all my sins. <laughs> Accept me in your park, in your kingdom, you know, when I fall. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why. And yet when I was a child, I'll fly. As I get old. Don't put me on an airplane. When we go for church conferences, some people, oh, we flew. No, for me, it's a challenge to get to any church conference. Orlando is coming next year. Uh, any excuse not for me to go to Orlando, I'll take. But somehow, somehow, probably I'll be there. But we all have our challenges, and we need to help each other. We need to help the weak. Amen? We need to help the weak. We need to strengthen each other. We need to help the weak. And if you have insights into people's situation, please come up with ways to help. We need to help each other. Finally, so when they have finished, they all knelt down and prayed. It is so important. All in his ministry, prayer was such a key thing. Prayer was such a key thing in false ministry. And we need to do likewise. They knelt down and prayed. I always wonder the content of that prayer by the beach. And again, if you read Paul's letters, Romans 1, in my prayers at all times for all of you. Ephesians, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. Colossians, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord, when we pray for you. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you. Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Timothy, I add then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be given to all people. He goes on and on. Philemon, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. And in his letter, he kept saying, and pray for us too. And pray for us too so that the door may be open. Guys, we need to pray for each other. Do you have the church list? Do you pray for every member? Who said woe to me if I do not pray for you? Who said that? Is it David? It's in the Old Testament. I think it's David. But we need to pray for each other. We need to keep each other in prayer. We need to know each other's needs and pray for. Amen? That's how we're going to know each other. And it takes time and it takes energy. It doesn't happen when you're lying on your bed. (laughs) You wake up half an hour later because you'd have fallen asleep. That's why Jesus very early in the morning got out and prayed. 
I think there's wisdom to that. Yes. Times when I've said I'll lie in bed and pray. Yes. Dear God, we love you. And then I wake up and I thought, oh, what was I saying? <laughs> it doesn't work for me in bed. I need to get out and walk and pray and talk to God. But we need to pray for each other. As we reflect, the end is where we start from. Amen. That was Paul's end. That's where we need to start. What would you want your end to be? And what should you do now to ensure that end? Amen. Let's live with the end in view. One of the brothers challenged the leadership. Said in, in two years, five years time, if the leadership men are not here, who will lead the church? Very good question. I like that concept. What are we going to do to the men in this group for every brother to be able to stand here and preach the word? For every brother to solidly with the scriptures go and counsel another person. We need to do something about that. Amen. We need to live today with 10 years in view, in five years in view, whatever it is, but that's how we live our lives. And if we are going to live this life that we see Paul living, being able to share all the things he shared, then indeed we need to start living it now. We need to start living it now. Sharing our lives with each other. Praying for each other. Being servants of the Lord. In humility. Determined to finish the race. All these things need to be in our lives right now. So the question, where do you want to end? And what are you doing now? What are we doing now? Let's think about it and thank you for your time.